0: This is your award winning BCFM on 93.2, 24 hours a day. Our landscape is being devastated. And if we are not acting now, everything is going to be lost. A new coal mine in the 21st century is absolutely insane. We're talking about stopping climate change, and at the same time, we're giving in to corporate greed.
1: There's no time to wait for political decisions. To build a tree house is directly
0: protecting a tree from being cut. I and the, of the gone through all of the legal methods and protest that this is what I'm not an expert, I'm a local person. I've been fighting against this. I've been trying to protect the land that's 300 metres from the bottom of my garden. People are dying already because of global warming I and mean, I don't want to live knowing that I didn't try to fight This is endgame. We don't have any other options
1: left. <laughs>
0: We've done absolutely everything that we can and just nobody wants to listen, it's just about money.
1: We are on the edge of destruction. What are you going to do if they just don't stop, if they don't listen to you?
0: So Today with us on the show, we have a very special guest. It's Rich Felgate, who is the director of Finite, uh, the Climate of Change, which is a documentary all about climate change, activism. Uh, We're going to find out a lot more about it, and there's a screening of it in Bristol in a couple of days' time. So, Rich, hi, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Lovely. Um, so yeah, so Rich is calling um, in from London, I believe, but is going to be in Bristol on Thursday, the uh, 9th of March, for a screening of this new documentary and a Q&A afterwards. Is that right, Rich?
1: That's right. Yeah, the film has uh, just come out in cinemas across the UK. And I'm doing um, a screening and Q&A tour around the country and looking forward to Bringing it to Bristol.
0: Amazing. And it's at 6.15. It's at the Patagonia store and it's a free screening. Is that the clothing, the outdoor, outdoor clothing store?
1: So the, the screening is organised in cooperation with Patagonia. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they like to put on film nights and uh, events to kind of you know, engage the, the community and their, their clientele in these environmental issues.
0: That's amazing. Okay. And so um, and so it's actually happening at the store, is that right, as well? Um, I think it's in central Bristol on Park Street.
1: Yeah, so um, uh, doors will open at half past five and then um, the film will be on at half six and then there'll be a, a discussion with myself and Isabel Tarr from Coal Action Network who are an organisation featured in the film. Um, you know, we hope to... Um, use what's brought up in the film to then you know, have a discussion about what people can do to take action for the climate.
0: Amazing, yeah, and um, we've just listened to the trailer before this interview um, so, yeah, can you tell us more about the film, like the documentary like, what, what sort of sto- What stories does it cover and how did it kind of what sort of inspired you to make it in the first place?
1: In a nutshell the, the film's about what ordinary people do to make change when all of the um, kind of regular channels of challenging power and standing up for communities don't work when well, what we often call the, the proper channels are exhausted so it follows people taking matters into their own hands and taking direct action um, to stop the destruction of ecosystems by open cast coal
0: mining, and so um, where is it? Is it so? It's from what I could see of the trailer, some of it's in Germany and so, some of it's in Germany and some of it's in England. Is that right?
1: It's yeah, that, that's right. It's it's about the this kind of unlikely alliance between these two communities. Um, one community in County Durham um in a a small village where uh, the community have had the threat of an open cast coal mine um in in the countryside right next to their village just kind of at the behind the gardens of of um, a row of houses and after decades of campaigning and, and holding off these mining companies through the planning system it gets to the point where Work is about to begin, and all all they've really got to try and stop it is blockading the um, the valley and stopping the machines.
0: Right, so like it. sort of physically getting in the way or putting stuff in the way because the normal proceed you know procedures of going through the channels of power haven't got anywhere. Is that right?
1: That's right, and it's it's kind of um, learning from people in the world of of direct action. So um, they learn from a community of activists in Germany that have been defending the Hambach Forest from the expansion of uh, one of Europe's biggest coal mines, which is operated by a company called RWE. And every year since about the 1970s, um, a part of this Huge, beautiful, ancient forest twelve thousand year old forest has been cut down every year, and in the film we we join that story at the point where ten percent of the forest remains
0: and oh my goodness, so not a lot left at all
1: not not a lot left at all and in the place of that forest and several villages in the area as well, it just this absolutely huge, an absolutely huge hole in the ground. Um, it's kind of the size of uh, the nearest big city, Cologne, where a million people live. What, the the, is, the um,
0: hole is the size of a city? Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, so it's. I, th- I think it's hard for even images in the film to really give justice to just how how much of kind of a moonscape and how overwhelming the size of this, this mine is so it's it's pretty hard to uh um to do it justice uh, on a podcast or on the radio yeah
0: absolutely so which is why people should come see the film to see the images um but yes yeah, so, i mean how did you how did you kind of find out about these stories or what kind of personally inspired you? Because making a documentary is a lot of hard work and requires quite a lot of, you know, funding. You have to do all the applications. You have to um, persuade people to tell their stories on camera. Like what kind of drove you to, to do this, to make it happen? So,
1: What, what inspired making this film was um, my background as a climate activist as well. Um, so... Before starting this film, um, I was involved in, in taking direct action, including against the expansion of open-cast coal mines. And being part of the, the climate movement um, and being involved in these frontline campaigns, there's often this frustration of just how hard it is to, to get the message out and feeling like we're a very small Minority of people, and um, uh, you know the frustration of, of uh, no one knowing about these about these issues. So, one of the things that got me into activism was um, watching documentaries, which really informed and inspired me to get involved, and. Um, I was interested in in filmmaking, trying to get into working on documentaries. So basically I just I went ahead and started my own project. and
0: amazing.
1: Um, when I first started filming, I didn't intend to make a feature documentary. Um, it very much kind of organically grew as as I got to know. The, oh,
0: did you intend the, it to be like a short feat, like a shorter? much shorter video, um, or shorter record of what was going on.
1: Yeah. The, the initial idea was to do something much shorter, but it felt like the, the stories couldn't be properly told in anything less than a feature film. And, um, I, I I kind of met the specific communities through, um, I guess connections in, in activism and just, being kind of part of the, the wider community of the movement, even though um, most of the people in the film, I didn't I didn't know them before uh, starting the project. There's kind of this um, shared culture, shared connection through being part of the same movement.
0: So people were sort of people in the film were quite willing to kind of open up to you and tell you about how you know what they were going through. Um, even though, I imagine it's a, obviously really difficult. It's very draining, kind of being on the front line of those of those campaigns at times.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's that's right. I, I so I lived on the in the protest camps that are featured in the film for almost a year and a half. Um, so that kind of brings this very this feeling of closeness to the action and to the to the people, and kind of. I hope a sense of authenticity um, of an insight into to this world.
0: Yeah, I mean, what were sort of the biggest challenges that you came up against making this film like a year and a half is a long time of your life to dedicate to to sort of a big a big project like this
1: um, I mean I guess the the filming had some technical and physical challenges um but that was often a lot of that was quite exciting and um you also the difficulties that are, are kind of i showed in the film about how um kind of the the traumas and tragedies that come from from these frontline conflicts especially with uh, with the police intervening
0: were th- um, were there people featured in the film who you know end up I guess getting arrested or getting um, taken away by the police or
1: um, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't want to give too many spoilers, but of course <laughs> um, this, you know, unfortunately, there's probably no, no shortage of imagery of people getting getting carried away by the police for for standing up,
0: yeah, I suppose it it must be quite. When, you, when you're living and working alongside in the protest camps for months and months and then you see people you've become really good friends with, sort of, I guess, I mean, I think what I get the impression from the trailer is this makes it so human. You know, we see all these art news headlines and articles about climate activists and climate protesters and maybe people who haven't been on those frontline campaigns, maybe don't kind of realise how, emotionally and physically draining it is putting your putting yourself out there to to do this
1: yeah exactly I I, I think the the film is my my attempt to show to show what it's really like to be a a frontline activist um you know go back to the the challenges um I guess yeah the filming was one thing but Actually, completing the film and, and getting it out there that was a huge hurdle. I, oft, I often I said that the filming was was the easy part. Um,
0: oh, but a, actually, like getting it finished and sort of published or released, getting it getting it out there to the wider world was the harder bit.
1: Yeah, kind of. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to collect loads of footage, but it's another thing to actually turn it into something. So, um, yeah, it took kind of several years to, to get all the editing done. Um, the big challenge to raise money to be able to work with an editor and all, all the kind of build the, the whole team that you need to really um, to make a, a film like this a reality.
0: Definitely. Well, we are going to play some music and then we're going to come back and talk to Rich a bit more about sort of how the responses to the film have been so far and sort of what's next. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back with you in just a moment. So, yes, we are back now with Rich Felgate, who is the director of Finite, the climate of change, which is a documentary being screened um, across the country. And there's a screening in Bristol on Thursday evening. So Rich was just telling us sort of about the background to the film and what it covers and sort of what he hopes people see from it and learn from it. Um, But, yeah, I just wanted to ask Rich about sort of the reception you've been getting, because you're saying you've been going around the country doing these Q&A's. Um sort of like what how have people responded when you when they've seen it or when you've had the q and A's with them?
1: Generally, I think one of one of the most common feelings from the audience is is shock. It, it's quite a um, it's quite an intense film. I think there's probably an assumption with climate films that um, normally we're gonna we're gonna hear a lot of quite intense information, um, maybe that's slightly slightly abstract, um, very scary sounding, but not that emotionally tangible.
0: Oh, so it's like but that I That think, normally the climate, it feels like such a big distant problem. It doesn't feel, doesn't sort of hit emotionally hard because it's kind of hard to wrap your head around almost.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think... Um, finite has a bit of a change of tune because it's it's very raw and emotional and intense really about the the frontline conflict and showing you know ordinary people standing up against the police but being you know brutalized by the police and um relentlessly trying and trying and trying to Stand up against the the system that enforces environmental destruction. Whether it's your people um, pursuing, uh, objecting to planning permission, or trying to use laws for um, endangered species, or putting their bodies on the line, it's very much this kind of relentless journey. Um, so I think it's it's quite it's quite an emotional film. I think it, yeah, it definitely does hit people in kind of quite a uh, quite an overwhelming way. But I think just the, you know, the situation is overwhelming to be to be true to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, sort of, how do you? Because you've sort of had to film this. You've been filming this for years and editing it, and now you are going around doing a tour. Like, how do you kind of manage prevent burnout in yourself? Because sort of eco anxiety and sort of stress about the climate crisis is something that I am sure a lot of people listening can identify with. How, if this is kind of something you are you are doing so much around, how do you kind of keep going and look after yourself?
1: It, I, yeah, it's definitely exhausting this this kind of work, whether it's um, living in protest camps or what's to be honest, what's more exhausting is the um the process now of trying to get the film out there um and i think generally i kind of try to keep in my mind that i'm always going to be thinking about the, the situation we're in about about the climate crisis so that that anxiety that Despair is only—it's only greater when you're kind of not doing anything about it, and maybe feeling a bit isolated and alone by just sitting with those with those thoughts, whilst trying to carry on with life, kind of as business as usual. Where, wider society, you you go outside and you wouldn't believe that we're in a we're
0: in such an emergency. Yeah, and I suppose yeah. So doing something, even being with other people who sort of recognize similarly how dire the situation is, can be kind of re almost reassuring, or sort of at least in a way you sort of know that you're not alone, and there's other people going through this. And you said about like getting the film out there, but I was looking at the website, and I mean it's. It's, it looks like it's received quite a few awards already, and sort of been accepted to quite a few film festivals. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. It's so before playing in cinemas, it's been touring film festivals for about six months.
0: Yeah, and that's um. And how's how's the reaction kind of been at the film festivals?
1: It it's it's been really good. Um, I guess critically, it's it's. It's won some awards and it's kind of been a process of um, because the film was made as about as independently as you can get. And this is this is my first film, so it's kind of
0: oh my popped God. out. Popped and it's already your first film, um, but it's won awards. That's that's brilliant. Like you should be really proud of yourself for that.
1: Thank you. Um so yeah, part of the film festival journey's been uh yeah just kind of having this film pop up out of nowhere and get some attention which has been been really nice.
0: Definitely and obviously you've got the Q&A happening after the film I mean sort of what when you when people see the film what do you hope people take away from it and what sort of like the message you would like to leave them with?
1: I think that there's a message of hope in the film um and a feeling of a sense of purpose through collective action and the, the meaning that people get from standing up and, and resisting and showing that change is possible if, if we come together and we, we do what's necessary, we tackle these issues proportionately and stand up to um to people in power to the, the corporations that hold so much power
0: yeah definitely and sort of i guess what's been uh, finally what's like the, been the best bit of the process for you because it sounds like it's been exhausting it sounds like it has been an uphill battle at times but what's kind of been the the yeah sort of like the 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 best thing about it when you look back on it, like the high of the highlights of the experience.
1: So the whole whole point of this film is to really, to inspire people to, to take action and empower people to become part of the climate movement. So every time someone sees the film and says that was inspiring or, um, that they feel empowered to take action then that's that means the world that's what it's all about and you know even even people that are maybe already involved in activism or you know already engaged with uh, with the issues if it if it helps keep people energized or perhaps re-energizes people who are feeling understandably despairing about the situation, then that's that's important. That no, that means a lot.
0: Brilliant. Oh well thank you so much for coming and speaking to us, Rich. So this is about the film Finite the Climate of Change which there is, it's being screened across the UK, but there is a special screening in Bristol um, on Thursday at 6.15 at the Patagonia Store on Park Street. Um, It is a film of an insider's view of the world of direct action, a raw, authentic and emotional insight into the David and Goliath battle between frontline communities, activists and fossil fuel corporations. It's been lauded as um, urgent and heroic, roaring with the rage and hope needed in our age of crisis and striking sanity in an insane world. So if maybe you are an activist who's been on some of these frontline battles and you um you know this story might resonate with you, or if it's, you know, maybe you want to find out a bit more about what it what it's like, why these activists do what they do or what it's like to be on the frontline, then do consider going along. Um Rich, thank you so much for coming along and talking to us. I think we're out of time, but is there anything else you wanted to say before we go? Uh I think that
1: says it oh yeah, please. Check out the film and, and support and join activists that are standing up and making the difference.
0: Yeah, and thank you thank you for making this film. It's, it looks really important and, you know, it's it's received a lot of critical acclaims. It's clearly very well made. Um, people can find out more at the website finite-film.com. And yeah, good luck with the Q&A, Rich, and maybe see you on Thursday. Uh, thanks for coming.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And yes, that was Rich Felgate, Gate, um, the director of Finite, the Climate of Change, a powerful documentary about the, uh, climate crisis and activists taking on big fuel corporations. And apologies for uh, a couple technical issues in amidst the mix of that. We're still learning the ropes here um, with the show. But yeah, it is 10 to noon. Um, so we just have time to talk a little bit about our culture corner this week before uh, we let you go to the news. Um, so this week we wanted to cover a book. Um, obviously, me. We- this whole is kind of in a culture corner in terms of talking about a uh, film, but we wanted to briefly talk about a book called The Case for the Green New Deal by Anne Pettifor. And this is a book that was published back in 2019. Um, and it, Anne Pettifor is an economist, uh, Brilliant economist who was, I think, one of the few people to predict the property uh, crash, the um, economic crash in 2008. She sort of saw that coming. She was one of the few people to see this coming. And she has written a book called The Case for the Green New Deal, and it is all about how to change the economy to protect the environment. Um, It's a great book, it's very readable. Um, It talks about the idea of a Green New Deal, which is something she came up with years ago. Um, And the description of the book is to protect the future of life on earth we need to do more than just reimagine the economy we have to change everything one of the seminal thinkers of the program that helped ignite the u.s green new deal campaigns this is something that uh, aoc and other politicians in the u.s have been talking about Um, and Anne pettifor was one of the people who came up with it and she explains how we can afford what we can do and what we need to do before it is too late um, this book, The Case for the Green New Deal, argues that economic change is wholly possible. It's based on the understanding that the finance, the economy and the ecosystem are all tightly bound together. The Green New Deal demands total decarbonisation and a commitment to an economy based on fairness and social justice. It proposes a radical new understanding of the international monetary system. and Pettifor offers a roadmap for financial reform both nationally and globally, taking the, mon- taking the economy back from the 1%. This book is a n- radical, urgent manifesto that we must act on now and it's um yeah it's a really interesting really educational book and it did it isn't just for economists i find it very readable i find it um it's not that big it's quite a slim book but it sort of covers the basics and covers this presents this radical change for how to change the economy um it makes it very very doable so that is almost everything for today um thank you so much for coming with us thank you for listening uh thank you for rich for the interview um Please do join us next week where we are going to be talking with uh, Neil Simpson from Bank Green, so we've just been talking about the economy and how uh, we need to change it. And Bank Green is a website that allows you to see how green your bank is. You know, are they greenwashing? Are they investing in fossil fuels? And um, Bank Green can help you find out if that's the case and sort of and look to switch banks um, to sort of move your money from uh, to a greener bank so that your money is not being invested in fossil fuels. So we'll be finding all about that with Neil next week. And thank you. Next up on BCFM is Lunchtime with Tristan B after the news. So keep it locked to BCFM for more tunes and chat. But that is all from me, Shona Free for now. Uh, so please take care. Um, yeah, look after yourselves because um, things are difficult out there. And we were, you know, so the stuff we were talking about with with uh, Rich you know it is it can be quite emotional it can be quite overwhelming so please you know look after yourselves if you're one of those activists out on the front lines um, you know blockading thank you so much thank you for doing what you're doing thank you you know we won't always win but if we don't fight we will always lose so we have to keep fighting every battle so thank you for that and yeah we will see you next week for more chat